We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com here today with Bears insider Aaron Lemming. How you doing? Oh, doing all right, man. It's getting towards the end of the week. Uh, definitely starting to heat up a little bit. We're having a nice, cool day today, so I'll, I'll take it. Weather's beautiful in Chicago. It's been beautiful for about a week now, and hopefully that'll last for... Typically, it lasts about another week, and then it gets really horrible, uh, horribly hot in Chicago. We don't really have a, a spring... Uh, that lasts very long, but we'll take it right now, that's for sure. Uh, weather was beautiful uh, during OTA practice uh, yesterday, the second practice that media was able to uh, attend, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, Bears uh, made a few roster moves, an interesting uh, series of events happened uh, this week with the acquisition of Victor Cruz. The Bears originally, uh, when they uh, signed him, waived Connor Shaw, and you and I talked about this a little bit last week in the in the podcast and how they weren't really he wasn't getting any reps in in practice, so it it wasn't that surprising that it happened. But then later in the day, uh, they they rescinded that and said that uh, they instead waived uh, Juwan Seals, one of the uh, UDFA wide receivers. Uh, you know what? What do you make of the situation? Uh, honestly, it's the first I've seen of it. I'm sure it's happened before, but I thought it was a very weird situation. And first thing that kind of comes to mind is, you know, what's going through Connor Shaw's mind at this time. I know a lot of Bears fans seem to be, uh, I guess, a little overly high on Shaw since he had the, you know, the the interesting preseason last year. But I, you kind of have to wonder. I mean, if if this is anything in terms of, you know, let's just say, let's just say. Mark Sanchez somehow, uh, you know, is hurt for, you know, a longer period of time. Now, we've talked about this before, but we'll talk about it again, you know, right now. Uh, 
let's just say that happens, and let's just say Connor Shaw is their third-string quarterback and Mark Sanchez is out for the year. I mean, does, does his value – I mean, is there any value in him actually being on the active roster, or maybe, or you know, on the fifty-three man roster in general? Or is this something that, I mean, not that you wish injury on anybody, but I mean, if he was seriously hurt, which I doubt he is, but if he was seriously hurt, I mean, is this kind of a kind of a nice thing you get to keep Connor Shaw, who's under control for I think uh, this year and next year, uh, and then you get to keep a guy like Mark Sanchez, who, I, from what I've gathered, it seems like he's just going to be like a like a second quarterbacks coach. Yeah, I, I think it's just an opportunity for the for them to get a longer look at Connor Shaw. I mean, the Bears only saw him throughout uh, the off season, and then uh, was I think it was a third or was it the four, final preseason game that he got hurt? Yeah, it was the final one. Yeah, so they only they only got a, a limited amount of time with him last season, and you know up until this point he hasn't really been able to get on the practice field just because there's three guys ahead of him. So this is, uh, you know, and we didn't discuss the the Sanchez entry. We'll get to that in a second, but this is just an opportunity of bringing him back to. Uh, you know, get get some more reps. You know, now with the opportunity to get him on the field, now they'll actually be able to see him. And I do want to point out that Seals uh, has not been practicing for the past couple of weeks, so I think that was just an injury situation. They probably, they, uh, you know, and I'm just speculating here, but potentially they may have uh, gotten the final word on his injury that that afternoon. Uh, yesterday afternoon after they had already waved Shaw and they said, well, you know, we're going to have to cut seals anyway. Let's just bring Shaw back. I, you know, I don't know the details. I don't know exactly what was going on at Hallis Hall, but that's a, a scenario that kind of makes a little bit of sense there uh, when you when you add in what happened to uh, Mark Sanchez. And, and as far as Sanchez go, goes, um, who, who, who reported it? Was it Rappaport? Yeah, I think it was Rappaport and then Schefter. I mean, they're always neck and neck with this kind of stuff. Yeah, and... Uh, we, you know, I didn't. Well, I was there. I didn't see Mark Sanchez get hurt. I did see him getting worked on by the trainers. But um, uh, Rappaport said that uh, it, it's a knee injury, and uh, but they don't think it's serious. That I think that was what he what he he ended up saying. Yeah, something along those lines. Basically, he was going to be out for the rest of uh, OTAs and then mini camp, and he should be back for training camp. But it's nothing serious. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking uh, rest of OTAs and training camp is only two more weeks, so that's not a. Not a huge deal, and you know, I saw him on the sidelines. It didn't look like he was seriously hurt, so I, I don't think that anything is, is uh, uh, you know, long term is going to keep Mark Sanchez off the field. But we'll find out. We'll see if he's, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in training camp. But I do think it's a great opportunity for Connor Shaw here to get on the field and get those reps and potentially prove to the coaching staff that he deserves to be that number three guy. Now, you, you brought up a good point. What value does he have uh, uh, as the number three? I guess it really depends on, on how. Trubisky does here over the next couple of uh, months and you know the development that he's able to show because I think it would be really nice and I I think the Bears would really like to do it is you know to again stash Shaw on the practice squad and see what he has I mean I know you know in the limited uh, amount of time that we saw Shaw he looked good and and if you guys if any of you were are subscribers to Bear Report I taught Shaw up during training camp last year even before those preseason games I thought he was the best quarterback uh not named Jane Cutler in training camp last season. So this is an opportunity for him to come out there and potentially say, hey, you know, let's let's take a shot on this young kid. He's he's worth the roster spot more than, you know, a retread veteran uh, like like Mark Sanchez. Uh, I don't know. What what are you thinking? You know, I I don't think I don't think Sanchez is overly horrible. But I'm also under the you know the mindset of I mean you look at this and you've got Mike Mike Glennon and Mitch Trubisky are probably going to be your one and two punch. So ultimately, if both of those guys go down and you're down to your third string quarterback, which we saw this last year, 
it's it's not going to be good either way. Now, personally, I'd rather see Connor Shaw out there than Mark Sanchez. Uh, but I mean, I, I think it's really Connor Shaw is obviously not the future because Trubisky's here. And if they thought highly of him or more highly of him, should I say, then I think he maybe got a little bit better of a fair shake in terms of maybe not draft Trubisky and just go with Glenn and Shaw and Sanchez. But what I do think this means uh, is that they do plan on keeping three quarterbacks on the roster. And it's actually interesting because you look at the cut with uh, Seals. And to me, when I was looking at the roster, when we, you know when we saw that they had uh, signed Victor Cruz, it's like you, you, you kind of look at uh, at least the depth chart that I have. I've just been kind of typing one up. And, I mean, right now they have uh, – or they had going into this, they had 12 receivers. And it's like there's only going to be five to six to make the roster. So I think – Cutting somebody like Seals makes sense. Uh, you know, you have, I guess you have, I mean, there's definitely a few guys here, but the thing about it is Victor Cruz is kind of cemented in as that, that fifth guy right now. And I also think it's interesting because with the, with the move with Connor Shaw, it's like you look at Mark Sanchez and you look at a guy like Victor Cruz, and it's like you definitely see that, that Ryan Pace is trying to go back to that veteran presence uh, that he had in year one. Uh, last year, you know, they cut Antrell Roll. They didn't really go with uh, so much as the – you know, the 31 to 32-year-old guys that they're bringing in on the roster, but it seems like they're starting to do that again, and I'm not really sure, uh, you know, what to make of that, but it definitely is interesting that you have a guy like Mark Sanchez only guaranteed right around $1 million out of the $2 million he's going to get, and then you have Victor Cruz that's guaranteed the $2 million out of $2 million. but it's definitely interesting to see them taking more of a veteran approach, especially even at the quarterback position, uh, because you look at Mike Glennon, uh, realistically, I don't think, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think he's going to be... Uh, a very long-term option in terms of even if he's a backup, they're not going to pay him $15 million to be a backup. And Mark Sanchez is already, what, 31, 32. And so at least in my mind, I look at Connor Shaw and I'd say, okay, you know, this is somebody who has two more years of control this year and next year uh, because he was an undrafted free agent. I think the injury last year had something to do with him getting an extra year of control or whatever it may be. So you look at that, and at least with me, I look at Connor Shaw and I say, well, maybe – he's somebody that would make more sense as the third quarterback just because you have the extra year of control. Uh, let's just say Glennon goes the year, you know, after this year and Sanchez is on a one-year deal and you cut him or whatever it may be. So I don't know. I, I kind of look at Connor Shaw. I'm not overly high on him. Uh, I don't, you know, by any means, do I think he's the future, but I do think he could be a solid backup. And I think at least in my mind, he may have a little bit more value than somebody like Mark Sanchez, but that's just my, that's my take. Honestly, if we're talking about the third, you know, third quarterback on the roster, uh, like I said, there's really, <laughs> kind of kind of one of those things if you get down to the third quarterback then pretty good chance that you're in a lot of trouble yeah well and i think that was you know your point about shaw having more value now i i think we might have distressed it and i know it was distressed it on the message boards at bear report but that was the feeling at the time like what are they doing what value does what does sanchez bring in here and i, I you know that that just means that you're giving up on tara shaw and we saw it i mean you're not going to get reps out there if if you're the fourth quarterback so uh you know it, it, he, he quickly got pushed out the door and then you know pulled back in almost right away but i mean it was it was obvious that he wasn't going to be able to stick on the team if four guys were going to be there so yeah I, I mean that makes a lot of sense it made a lot of sense at the time and it was you know and now we're in a situation where 
if there is an injury with Sanchez, then yeah, you're looking at uh, a, a, basically a career backup with two guys who have uh, no snaps in the NFL. Not a, not an ideal situation. I'm not saying Sanchez would would have been the savior in that scenario, but uh, at least he, he's he's the one guy here with that you know who's won some football games in the NFL. So uh, at least you have that. And like you said, you know, you use him as a teacher as well. So uh, I think you know, the, I, like you said, I think I agree. They're probably going to keep three quarterbacks and, and potentially stash a four fourth one in, in, in Shaw on the practice squad and, and, you know, see what happens. And, you know, you mentioned the wide receiver position, and this was a discussion that I had with one of the other beat writers during practice. And, you know, when you sign Victor Cruz, uh, you add another another 30-year-old body out there. Uh, I think that what it is is they know that they're weak at the position, and they're going to just start throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks. I mean, they've gone out, they've used a lot of free agent resources in, in picking up, uh, you know, Marcus Wheaton, uh, Kendall Wright, and, and you know, now Victor Cruz. Uh, they, were, they were even willing to sign uh, Titus Davis uh, during uh, that tryout during rookie minicamp. So, you know, they, they have Cameron Meredith, but you don't really know what he's going to be. You know, I, Kevin White's health is always an issue. So, I, you know, I think it's they're just like, hey, you know, maybe Victor Cruz has got a little bit left. Maybe Ruben Randall's got a little bit left. You know, let's see if anybody's got it. You know, if anybody can get out there and make a play, uh, you know, we'll give them an opportunity. But, I, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't necessarily understand the amount of money that they're giving Victor Cruz. But, hey, you know, if, if he can come in and provide a veteran presence. I mean, I, I like Victor Cruz and we talked to him yesterday. I, I, I think that he's going to be really good for that locker room. He's going to be really good for guys like Kevin White and Cameron Meredith. And, uh, you know, I, I think he, he, you know, he commands that type of respect. He's done some really good things in the NFL. And, you know, he's he's been to the playoffs. He's won some playoff games. And that's not uh, something that a lot of guys on this team can say. So I think he's going to have a lot of value there. Another move that the Bears made, uh, this was today, was signing uh, Michael Burton, the fullback. Played the last couple seasons uh, for the uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, I want to say 31 games over the last two years. So, yeah, he's, he's pretty much been their full-time fullback uh, the Bears way Franco House. Franco House was that Ball State uh, tight uh, basketball player who played. Uh, was working out uh, in that tryout position for a tight end. Really didn't have the uh, movement ability, as from what I saw. Good hands, but you, you really lumbered out there. I like this move with Michael Burton. I mean, here's an experienced guy. The only fullback on the roster is Freddie Stevenson, the UDFA out of out of Florida State. So you know, now here we have. Uh, Michael Burton, who's who's been a fullback in the NFL, knows what it's like, uh, what it takes to play at this level. He did get cut by the Lions, but uh, I, you know, again, going back to you know what the focal point of the offense is going to be. If it's going to be Jordan Howard, then it's it, it's beneficial to have a guy, a fullback, a pure you know throwback fullback type on the roster. No, and I agree. Uh, I what I think is interesting about this, granted, I don't really know much about NFL fullbacks or fullbacks in general, but doing a little bit of research. Uh, his main purpose is run blocking. He's not much of a pass blocker, uh, but, I mean, he was, I, I think he played like 92 snaps uh, this last year, and I think he graded out right at about, a, I want to say it was like a 78 um, through pro football focus, whatever, you know, really whatever that means in terms of blocking. But it's, it's. Uh, I think this speaks a little bit to the fact that Freddie Stevenson, and, I, and obviously we'll get into that a little bit later with the OTA recap, but, I think it speaks a little bit to that, the fact that he's – I don't think he's really taken this job and running with it. Um, but it also was interesting to me because, you know, Franco House was one of those guys that's like, okay, you know, you, you, you look at the tight ends right now. You got Zach Miller, Deion Sims, and Am Shaheen that, in my mind, unless Zach Miller gets cut due to age, injury, whatever it may be, those are going to be your three guys. And I think they'll – 
they'll probably keep a fourth. Uh, makes sense to keep Daniel Brown, but you have you have two upside guys with Ben Broniker and uh, Michael Pruitt. So, I mean, really, the, the tight end position is pretty well spoken for outside of maybe the fourth tight end. So it, it makes sense. And I, what I like about these these moves is the fact that they're cutting dead weight where it makes sense to cut dead weight. Uh, you know, with a, with a receiver, when you got 12 receivers, now you cut down to 11. That makes sense. You know, you, you had uh, six tight or seven tight ends, and now you cut down to six. So that's the kind of stuff that definitely makes sense. But Burton's going to be interesting. I've, I've talked to a few Lions fans that I actually trust that, you know, know what they're looking for, and they really had positive things to say about him. I mean, it's, it's not really a fullback league anymore. But like you said, it's getting to a point where it's very obvious what the Bears are trying to do. Uh, Jordan Howard's probably going to be a focal point of the offense this year, so why not bring in somebody who can block? I'd say if they do keep a fullback, he's probably going to, you know, going into camp at least. I would, I would assume that he would have the, uh, you know, the the lead, I guess you could say, in the battle. And it's also worth noting they claimed him off of waivers. I mean, this just wasn't just some random free agent signing. I mean, they actually went out of the way to claim him on waivers. So I think that says a little something as well. Yeah, and it says right here in the the press release that the Bears sent out a couple hours ago. Uh, that Burton was rated the third highest fullback by, by Pro Football Focus. Um, you know, take that for what it is, but at least it shows you that you know he's he's got some prowess as a as a lead blocker and in those I formations in those red zone situations, goal line situations, he might have a lot of value. I think you know, like we we talked about with Stevenson or any fullback, in order to justify keeping a player at that position in a league that really you know really doesn't have a ton of value for fullbacks is uh, you know it comes down to special teams so we'll see if Burton is able to really uh, you know put his stamp on special teams find a role in there because if he, if he can you know becomes one of those those core third phase players then then you can justify keeping that roster spot and then you have that fullback in those those third and one situations which can be crucial which can be the the difference between uh, winning and losing, uh, particularly near the goal line as well. So, uh, you know, we'll see how he looks out there uh, over the next few months and whether or not he can uh, uh, carve out a role on this offense. Hopefully he can, uh, just for Jordan Howard's sake. So yeah. that is that it? Is there anything else we talk about regarding OTAs? I think that's about it. I mean, there's, it's dead slow right now. So yeah. I think uh, OTAs is probably the uh, the meat and the potatoes, what everybody else wants to hear. They're probably wondering why we're still talking about the rest of this stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to it. Uh, yesterday, yeah, it was our second session. Uh, like I said earlier, the second time the media was able to, to uh, watch OTAs. And uh, the defense is definitely a step ahead of the offense right now. I think that, that could, that's to be expected. A lot of new parts on both sides of the football, but the majority of the front seven on the defensive side is still intact from last season. And, uh, you know, the, the new faces in the secondary actually look pretty good. But, yeah, the, it, it's difficult. It's hard for me to say, for me to judge whether or not these corners and these safeties who were making all these plays yesterday, if these guys are for real or if it's just because the Bears quarterbacks – and the offense in general is struggling. I'm not sure, but man, uh, you know, uh, Marcus Cooper was trying to up and down, but uh, Prince of Mukamara, boy, he he had himself a practice yesterday, and you know, was was uh, getting in receivers' faces, making plays, had an interception, a couple PBUs in these red zone drills. He looked pretty good out there, and I think that's a great sign for you know a secondary that you and I have talked about a lot, a lot of question marks there, both at cornerback and safety, and it was. Uh, you know, it was their day for sure. Now, one practice, who knows? Um, you know, maybe just Mike Lennon had a bad day. You know, Trubisky didn't play much better either. But uh, I, I, that's good news, in my opinion. Would you agree? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. I, I think at least the the year that I was there, and it seems like every single year that I'm, you know, reading your practice reports or whoever else's practice reports, it seems like the offense is always seems to be in front of the defense at least in the early going and. 
I think even in the first OT, you kind of talked about that the defense really hadn't done much and the offense was you know, moving the ball better. Uh, so I don't know if that's particularly a good thing in this situation. I do think the offense, uh, and I, I, we've talked about this quite a bit. I mean, the, the offense is is you know behind the eight ball uh, much more than the defense is right now, and I, it's definitely a good sign that some of these guys are coming out making plays. But you also kind of have to wonder if we can get in the offense here in a little bit. But uh, who exactly, in terms of corners, uh, safety, uh, I mean, who who stood out and who made plays? Well, like I said, Amukamara was was a guy who really stood out. And, uh, you know, I, I saw some physical play from him that I, I didn't expect to see. I, th- I actually expected Marcus Trooper to show me a little bit more um, just because he's the bigger player. But uh, Mukamara was very, very physical, uh, jumped. You know, the, I, the interception that he did have, he, he read Mike Glennon like a book. Glennon just stared down the receiver and Mukamara jumped the play and, and jumped right in front of Kevin White and made the interception. So... It was just an all-around impressive play, really dumb throw by Glennon, but Amukamara made it, took advantage of it. And you're going to get those opportunities in every game. I mean, quarterbacks make dumb throws every once in a while, so you got to take advantage of it. And he did. So I would say he he looked the best out of the group. But I mean, really, a, a lot of guys looked out there, and I actually got a first opportunity to take a look at DeAndre Hall playing playing safety. Um, didn't you know safeties don't get a lot of action in in these uh, sessions? But uh, you know he's out there at the safety position, so that was interesting to see. But yeah, I, I just think in general that you know the the attitude that these veterans have brought to the secondary with Quentin Demps and 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 Cooper and and, and Amukamara, uh, even Bryce Callahan was playing well out there. I think that's that's a a, a group that doesn't necessarily accept the uh, you know the negative. Uh, view that a lot of us have taken of this group and just because they're not uh, necessarily household names and they weren't the top free agents out there doesn't mean that they're not going to come in here and have an impact. So if they can continue to keep playing like that I think that's a great sign for the secondary, especially if the, the front seven starts to get a little bit healthier and guys start taking that uh, uh, those steps forward, boy uh, it'd be really nice for the Bears if the defense could, could you know hold up their end of the bargain while the offense is trying to figure out a few things. Well, and it's it's interesting that you mentioned the front seven because I think from your report, I want to say it was was it Eddie Goldman and Jay Howard, and there was I thought there was a few others that weren't there. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know where Goldman was. He was there last week, so I'm assuming he was just uh, excused. But uh, yeah, Howard's dealing with you know Howard's one of the few guys on the on the on the front seven that is dealing with a few injuries. I don't think anything anyone's dealing with anything major right now. Um, Leonard Floyd wasn't there, but I, I, Jan, he was there last week, so I assume that's just an excuse absence. you got to remember, these are voluntary practices. So, uh, And again, we're two months out from even uh, uh, training camp starting. So I, you know, I'm not putting too much stock into the injuries right now, but uh, yeah, uh, there, there are banged up, a bunch of banged-up guys in the front seven right now. But that's actually a good thing. That gives them an opportunity uh, you know, for guys like Sam Acho and uh, you know some of the other uh, upfront guys to get those reps that they're probably not going to get going into training camp, and it gives the, the coaching staff an extended look at some of these third and fourth tier players. Now, as far as the starters go, has it been has it been Dimps and Amos, and then also what's the what's the story with DeAndre Hall? Has he been practicing at safety, or has he been switching back and forth? Yeah, safety just mainly with Hall. Hall's still a little banged up, so he's not doing a whole lot. But yeah, he's at safety, and uh, yeah, it's Dimps and Amos right now. But uh, I think all. Of those positions, it's really fluid, and I don't think anyone's set in stone, especially in that secondary. 
but it does seem like the the the, the frontline players are the guys who are who are making plays. You know, again, it's probably not a surprise to most people, but haven't seen Kyle Fuller do anything except get beat. So. Uh, it's probably not going to surprise me if he doesn't make the team this year, but I, I don't think anybody was expecting much out of him. And I, I think if these other guys continue to step up to the plate, no one's going to miss him. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point. I think one of the biggest, especially in the secondary, one of the biggest battles I'm going to be watching is at the nickel position because I mean you have a guy like Bryce Callahan who has been pretty pretty good when he's healthy, but the problem is when healthy, and that seems to be <laughs> the issue with a lot of these guys. But another one is you know between him and Craybon LeBlanc, I think. You know, LeBlanc, I was, and I'll openly admit, I was very hard on him earlier in the year. Was not at all impressed, but it's actually amazing to watch the amount of growth that he had towards the end of the year. Uh, and some of the, the PFF stats that were out there, uh, some of the different things that they were noticing. And he actually seemed to be one of the, uh, I guess, more, one of the more upside guys. So, I, and I don't know how it's gone so far, but I think that that's going to be one of the interesting uh, interesting battles going in at the nickel position is just seeing how those two battle it out. And I think that really can help stabilize uh, the defense in the secondary as a whole. I mean, even having a good nickel goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, you know, in today's NFL, a nickelback is really a starting, as, as a starter. So, um, you know, NFL teams look at nickelbacks as starters. You know, uh, they, they consider them starters because they are out there for the majority of the snaps. So, yeah, that's a great uh, a great point about that competition. B.W. Webb is also in that competition as well. And, uh, you know, I'm yeah, you're right. If Callahan or LeBlanc, those are both guys who at, at separate times uh, last season really shined. Uh, they had their struggles at certain points, but uh, LeBlanc was the, if you remember, he was the guy who got that interception in the final game to uh, avoid the Bears, you know, setting a, uh, I believe it would have been an NFL record for the fewest amount of turnovers. They just ended up tying it because of that LeBlanc interception. So he came through at least keeping them out of the, you know, the very bottom of the record book. But yeah, I, you know, I, I, like I said, if, if those outside guys are playing well, you get a little bit of production out of that out of that nickelback position as well, and you get a couple safeties who aren't going to give up big plays on the back end, and I think that's what you get out of Quentin Demps just be, based on his experience and you know the fact that he had six interceptions last season. All that starts to come together, then we're not as dependent on Mike Glennon and the quarterbacks, which we'll start talking about now, and you know what they're doing and whether or not Trubisky is ready. You know, I mean, that's we're all we're going to continue talking about that, but that's that's not going to be the only story that we're talking about because if the defense can just carry them to a few wins, you know, going back to the Lovey days like we were used to them doing back then, and I'm not saying it's going to get to that level, but if it can just they can take incremental steps up because they weren't horrible last year, stay healthy, get a little bit better on the second and the back end, a little bit better up front in the pass rush. Boy, oh boy. Uh, it might be a defense that can carry them a couple of win, a couple wins next season, and really get Bears fans excited. This is a blue collar town. We love our defense, and I, it would be great for Bears fans who have watched their defense just get destroyed over the last couple of seasons to have a group out there that can you know really get back to the playing like the monsters of the Winway and be a you know a dominant force. Well, and one more thing before we do move on the quarterbacks, sure. and that kind of stuck out uh, with your report was. Jonathan Bowler. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's somebody that a lot of people have been very curious on. Him and Roy Robertson Harris are two that I'm very curious on. Uh, but I guess we can just kind of stick on the, the Bowler train. I mean, you seem to be pretty impressed overall with this practice. Uh, was it yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked really good yesterday. And I think Bullard has, has put on a little bit of weight from what I can tell. And, and he's playing the five technique position. Looks uh, pretty good out there. I mean, was making plays against the run. Actually uh, turned the corner on an edge rush, too. So that uh, great to see. I mean, we, we talked a lot about Bullard last year. Third-round pick who really didn't do much at, <clears throat> at all his rookie season. But I think when, we, when you go back and look at the tape, 
uh, this Florida at Florida, you know, that the potential is there. I mean, he's 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 got the size, he's got the get off. I mean, his his ability to come off the ball is one of the best on on the team right now. And if he can train, you know, that you know, he had to deal with a few issues less, some technique issues. The Bears were asking him to do different things that he was asked to do at Florida. He talked a lot about it. Bears also felt that he needed to put on a little weight. So going through all those that the, those two transitions. Uh, I think it was a big reason why we, we didn't see much production out of him. But now that he, you know, if he's added that weight and if he's comfortable with, with what they're asking him to do, I think then he can just start playing. And I think with a player like Bullard, he was thinking way too much his rookie season. He, he talked about it. I mean, the coaching staff was always talking about it. Fangio talked about it. And they just wanted them to play, but they couldn't just let him go without telling him how they wanted the job done. So now that they've done that, now that he's got a year... In the system, I think there's an opportunity here if Bullard, you know, builds on what he's been able to do here in, in OTAs. There's an opportunity for him to be that uh, guy that comes out of nowhere and really has an impact, uh, particularly on third downs, maybe potentially that three technique position. Because, like I said, nobody gets off the ball faster than him on this roster. And if he were to come out like we talked about, if he's one of those guys who can who can add to the pass rush as long uh, as well as an improved secondary, uh, you know, it's worth getting kind of excited about. I think. Well, and to add on your point with with Bullard, I mean, we're looking at right now, when you look at the Bears front, you have at least projected starters for me would be Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, and Jay Howard at the at the three de- defensive line positions. And you look at that, and two of those guys are free agents next year. You have Akeem Hicks, who's a free agent, Jay Howard, who's a free agent. We don't know what they're going to get out of Howard at this point, but I guess my whole entire point is if Bullard's to step up and actually play like the player that a lot of people thought he would be, uh, that's going to go a long way, uh, you know, not only for depth, but the fact that it's not going to put pressure on them to drop $25 million or so, uh, you know, a year on two guys like Jay Howard and Akeem Hicks. Obviously, that, that may be a little high on the, the estimation, but, you know, to be able to drop, let's just say, $10 million a year on Akeem Hicks and then say, okay, well, we have Jonathan Bullard who's going to slide in at the other five-tech position. I think that would be big. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. And, you know, I don't think... Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it's really feasible for them to consider being able to sign both those guys, especially if Howard has a big year and Hicks builds on what he's able to do last season. I think it's more likely that one of them, they're only going to be able to sign one and that that it wouldn't matter to them if Bullard does step up and, you know, prove that he can be that other five technique. That that would be huge. I mean, that's what you look for. Third round pick, you want, you know, you're still looking for starters in the third round. So, you know, or at least guys who can come in and play meaningful snaps and prominent roles on offense or defense. So that would be great uh, for the defense as a whole. Bullard really steps up this year. Absolutely. So I guess we'll uh, we'll move on the offense. I'm sure everybody's excited to hear. Now, uh, I'm not overly concerned yet, but it's definitely a little disappointing. I know one of the biggest things that highlighted in my eyes when reading your report was the fact that quarterbacks really struggled uh namely glenn and trubisky you want to give a little little bit more insight and should we be worried i don't know i don't i i don't think we should be worried and and the week before they didn't look as bad as they did yesterday and you know one practice that i've seen a lot of practices i mean these things go up and down uh, particularly in training camp you see these swings where the you know two or three practices the offense will be in in charge and then you know the next two three practices the defense can't do anything wrong so i you know it's it's still so early we're still talking about two quarterbacks who are brand new in this system still trying to figure things out trubisky's still trying to figure out how to take a snap from under center so I'm not worried about it. I mean, they they threw some some uh, questionable passes. Three of them were intercepted. A bunch of PBUs. I mean, like I said, the, the secondary looked good. 
but you know this this will concern me if I'm still seeing these things a couple weeks into training camp. But uh, being just the second week of OTAs, I think these are just growing pains that we're going to have to go through uh, both with Glennon and Trubisky. I don't, I don't think it matters that Glennon uh, uh, four, has four years' experience. He hasn't really played much in the last couple of seasons. So, you know, we're we're starting from scratch almost with both of these guys. And I think this is the type of practices that we're going to see. So I'm not going to – it's not going to get overblown by me at least. Uh, it will, though, start to concern me if it does continue. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I think it's, it's key, including myself, to remember – I mean, you got two guys in Glennon and Trubisky. Well, really, three with Sanchez. But you got you got two big keys at quarterback. That this is a first year uh, with the Bears' offense. So I think it's it's not going to be like in years past where Jay Cutler, you know, is is has been with the with the team for a while. I think that's going to be an adjustment mentally. I mean, the, things are going to come along slower. Uh, but I'm hoping one out of the two, and hopefully it is Trubisky. You know, can can really step up and grasp the offense because I kind of wonder if Glennon continues to struggle. Let's just say Trubisky figures it out, then he, you know, we may have a lot more to talk about uh, as, as training camp moves on in terms of you know who's really going to be the starter come week one. Yeah, but, I, I think I think that's definitely going to be the case. But you know, based <laughs> based on the way that Trubisky played yesterday, that that's not uh, likely to happen anytime soon. But uh, again, you know, I, I think that they're, they're going to put the best guy out there. I think it's more likely that they're going to put Glennon out there just to, uh, you know, give Trubisky a little, little bit more time. But yeah, if he's if he all of a sudden just the, the the light goes on during the second week of training camp and he just tears it up in the preseason, yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about a quarterback controversy. But we're definitely not there yet. Yeah, absolutely. And then kind of moving on to running backs here. Uh, you know, yeah. obviously Jordan Howard's kind of the the main guy right now, but. What's going on with the second, third running backs? I know, you know, Tariq Cohen, Benny Cunningham, uh, Kadeem Carey, and Jeremy Langford. I mean, where where are we at? And are we making anybody really standing out yet? Well, Cohen has stood out just because of his quickness. And, and you know, there's been a couple of times, and there was one time yesterday where they did a, a little screen pass, and, and he caught it over the middle. He had good blocking. It was like, oh, man, you're just trying to I, – I had that vision of what that would look like on the field. Uh, during the regular season, and I, I really see so much quickness and so much burst and so much speed out of him. I mean, he's just, he's unlike any player that I've really ever seen up close. I mean, I've seen some fast, quick guys, but Cohen just kind of takes it to another level. Really excited. I mean, get the ball, get the ball in his hands, in space with a guy or two in front of him, and he's going to make great things happen. I mean, he's, you guys are going to, you're going to love, love watching this kid. If he can break a few tackles, if he isn't uh, you know, if, if his size doesn't hurt him, and, and you know he's that's he's able to translate what he did in college. Ooh, baby, you're gonna love watching him. So, I'm excited for it. None of the other guys have really stood out. Langford's uh, not doing much on the during practice anyway. So, uh, I you know to me, I think you're probably gonna see uh, this is you know obviously it's gonna be Jordan Howard's show, and I, I think Cohen's gonna be your third down guy, and the other the other guys are gonna battle out uh, battle it out for uh, that third or fourth spot. I think they'll probably keep all four. I think we're probably going to see both Langford and Carey on the final roster, but we'll see. Uh, you know, especially if, if the if the fullback, we, you know, Burton uh, comes through, they might not have that luxury. So we'll see. But I, I think really we're we're talking about Jordan Howard and we're talking about uh, Cohen as the as the the one one two punch here. I, I think Langford is probably going to be a primary backup if Howard gets hurt. Uh, Carey could steal that role if he has a, a stronger champ, but. I'm not too worried about those guys anymore. I think this is this is a Howard Cohen show. And you know, speaking of Howard, I, I, I he looks thinner to me. He looks faster. He looks more agile. And I think uh, he he even said as much yesterday. Uh, I, I think I read in the paper that he's a little bit thinner. So I I, I, I think he's five pounds, two twenty five. Is that what he did? You read that? 
Uh, I didn't, but what I will say is looking at the pictures, cause I, actually I think it was a video, and watching Jordan Howard run by, I'm like, wait, yeah. is that the same guy? He 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 looks visibly thinner, uh, not to a bad extent, but uh, you know I think that's something that uh, they talked about that last year at the end of the year, saying that he needs to get in a little bit better shape, and he needs to he needs to cut a little bit of weight because there was a few runs last year where he any other running back in the league would have broke those out and they would have been gone for a touchdown and he bogged down at the end. But, you know, if that's the worst, at least of your worries, uh, or the most of your worries, more the point, then I guess that's not a big yeah. deal. Uh, no, I, th- I think it's, I actually think it's going to be a great thing. I think he can still bring that type of power. And if you've ever seen Jordan Howard up close, he has tree trunks for legs. And I, I you know, five pounds isn't going to hurt, hurt him in that area. So, you know, his lower body is where he brings, he gets all his power and it doesn't, appear that he's you know i don't five pounds isn't going to compromise that power so i I think that's going to just give him added agility and like you said potentially help him turn those 30 yard runs into 60 yard touchdowns yeah absolutely and uh, i know we're probably getting a little low on time here so i'll kind of make the the rest of this quick here now i know you said that the corners have done you know had a really good practice yesterday but the one person that you uh you talked about that continues to come up as a positive uh, which is a little bit of a surprise to me is Adam Shaheen. I mean, the mm-hmm. dude just seems like he just seems like he just keeps showing up, and I I think that that would be a huge development for the Bears' offense. What yeah. What are your thoughts? I I really he looks he looks like an NFL tight end. I mean, I, when we talked about and I, I don't know if we mentioned this last week, I, we probably did, but you know he he looks as big as he did on that on that college film, even with the with the big players around him. So you know that size still translates to the NFL field. And he's, you know, he's just, he, he has a, a way, a knack for getting open. And I, I, you know, it's probably because of his size. He's just so big. He, he's this huge target for all these new quarterbacks. And he's right in their face. He's like the biggest guy that they can't miss. They probably can't see over him half the time. And you see when, when things break down or when things aren't, aren't open, you know, that primary read over and over again, no matter which quarterback he's playing with, that, you know, they come back to Shaheen, and he's he's that reliable outlet option over and over again that I've seen. And you throw it to him, and he pretty much catch it. unless it's off target or uh, you know the defender's able to make a play. I haven't seen Shaheen just straight up drop anything. You know, he snatches a, almost everything thrown his way. He's able to make catches in traffic, and he's quicker. You know, for a six seven guy who's almost two hundred and eighty pounds, he, he gets in and out of his breaks fairly fast. And you know, he doesn't look slow in by any means. And I think that's exciting. I, 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 you know, it's, again, it's early, and I, I think we talked about Zach Miller a little bit earlier and whether or not he's going to be able to stay healthy, but even if he doesn't and, or if Miller, uh, you know, you know, starts to slow down in, in, in his extended age here, I, I, I don't care because I think, I really think Shaheen is the, is the real deal, and I think uh, it could happen as early as this season, I, I Especially if you, you know, we're talking about two quarterbacks who don't have a whole lot of familiarity or really any familiarity with the wide receivers. They're going to go to that out, uh, outlet option. They're going to go to that check down option, you know, that safety valve. Who is going to be Shaheen just because he's so big? And uh, that, that goes for Deion Sims as well. I think Deion Sims is going to, is going to provide uh, a good bang for his buck this season. But I think long term, I'm, I'm big on Shaheen. Yeah, I, I definitely. I think he would add a lot to the offense. Now, I, I don't know if any other receivers really stuck out to you or not, um, but if they didn't, then i got to get my weekly Andy Phillips update. Has he kicked a field goal yet? <laughs> well, let's stick with No, we'll st- we'll st- I'll tell you, Andy Phillips has not kicked a stinking field goal. Oh, my gosh. They have not done field goal drills once, man. I'm not, it's, it's killing me. 
it's killing everybody. And just he's the guy I really want. I just want to see him kick one. And the thing is, it's not only have they not done the field roll drills like during the special teams portion of practice, but I haven't even seen him doing field rolls off to the side. When a lot of times you'll see guys just practice and they'll get the net up and you know and work on the the snap and, and hold and whatnot. I haven't even seen him doing that. So. I have no updates on Andy Phillips. I wish I could let you know. But wide receivers, yeah, there were some updates. Kevin White, back at practice. And uh, look fine. Oh, yeah, that guy. Forgot yeah, about him. Remember him? <laughs> remember him? He was former first-round pick. He uh, he was back at practice. Looked fine. So I think it was probably just a day off. We talked to him afterward, uh, after practice. We you know asked him about you know whether or not he's 100%, what their plan is for him. And he said, you know, he feels great. He feels uh, like he's at the best he can be at this point and however they're going to handle him you know it's not up to him so that made me think that that was just a day off last week he's back at practice and uh that that doesn't mean he was making a whole lot of plays he made a few plays him and marcus cooper uh got got into it a little bit uh marcus cooper actually got in a shoving match with cameron meredith so cooper brings some some uh, nastiness out there but yeah kevin white's back so i don't know how how excited that makes a lot of people but he's not uh you know he's he's healthy enough to practice <laughs> Now, and you know, you were there, so maybe you could give me a better gauge. But when I watched his when I watched his press conference, it was almost night and day between him and Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz positive, you know, had a lot of good things to say, and it seemed to me like uh, it seemed to me like Kevin White was frustrated uh, and just kind of seemed like he was just ready to stop talking, uh, especially about all of his injuries, and just get out there and actually play. I yeah. mean, did, did you get the vibe that he was a little frustrated? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, and. I got that vibe from Kevin White last season too. I, I think Kevin White, Kevin White hates the media in Chicago, and <laughs> it's to to a point. It's understandable, and and uh, you know a lot is a lot has been said about him over the last couple of seasons. I mean, and and right during the middle of that, <laughs> right in the middle of the press conference, he was asked, you know, what what his thoughts are when people call him a bus. So I mean, guys are calling him bus uh, right to his face in the media. So I think that that's pretty much that's kind of where that animosity that you saw during that press conference. I don't think that had anything to do with him personally or his relationship with the team or his feelings uh, about where he's at. I think that was just a you know I, I don't want to talk to you guys situation. And uh, you know I, if he wants to not get those questions asked, stay on the field and produce. I mean I, I guess that's all I can say to that. Um, I do understand why he's frustrated. I, I understand why fans are frustrated. So. You know, if, if he wants to make all that go away, then then get out on the field, stay out on the field, and produce. Um, otherwise, it's not gonna it's not gonna stop. <laughs> yeah, and I get it. I get the frustration. I really do. I mean, for him, he's not an injury prone guy. Uh, you know, at least coming into the NFL, and really, both of his injuries have been kind of freak injuries. It's not like yeah. it's not like you know these are just Alshon Jeffrey injuries. I mean, these are these are real things that have happened at unfortunate times. Uh, so I, I get it, but like we talked about last week, I, my expectations for him are basically zero at this point, and anything that he does positive, I think if him and Victor Cruz can combine for 1,300 yards this year, I think they're in decent shape. Yeah, and, I, you know, and White did look fine. I mean, I think that's worth mentioning. I mean, he doesn't look like he's hindered at all. He still looks like the same player he's always been. How you know What that means, we, we don't even really know at this point just because we've seen him. Uh, you know, He's gotten so few reps out there, but... Uh, you know the fact that he's healthy right now is is step one in you know him potentially resurrecting his career again. I don't think I think many people are like you, myself included, and that the expectations for Kevin White are very low. But 
you know, again, he might be, you know, he's the type of guy who who does have that skill set and might come out and prove everybody wrong. But in order for that to happen, he has to stay on the field. So hopefully the Bears, whatever they're doing with him in, in terms of, uh, you know, resting him on certain days, hopefully that plan works out and he's able to stay on the field and he's able to contribute. Anything else you want to talk about? We've got about three, four minutes. Uh, you know, I don't think so. I got right. my Andy Phillips question in there. Yeah. And uh, I, I think the only thing, going back to running backs a little bit, just to kind of throw something in there, sure. I, I think Benny Cunningham is going to be somebody to watch. Mm-hmm. Now, not to say that he's going to be some, you know, he's going to take Jordan Howard's position, but I think he's got some good value as a special team, uh, especially in the, in the return game. And I think he adds a little bit of a speed element. I mean, this is somebody who averaged, I think it was like 4.3 or 4-point yards of carry, uh in his time in St. Louis, or well, it was in St. Louis, now in L.A. Uh, so I think he's somebody that you could see. I don't know if he'll push Jeremy Langford, uh, but I, I don't think they're married to Kadeem Carey, and I think he's somebody that could push Kadeem Carey out of a roster spot well, if they do keep four guys. I actually think he could push Jeremy Langford, too. I, I think I absolutely think you're onto something. And I, when we talked about running backs earlier. I didn't even think about Cunningham. But, yeah, Cunningham is right there in the mix. And uh, I, I think, like you mentioned, he, he provides what Carey and Langford don't. And the fact that he does have that return experience, uh, you know, Carey doesn't have the explosiveness that Cunningham does, Langford does. But, you know, but Cunningham it brings an entire package and brings it on, on, a, on multiple different levels. And like I said, he's right in the mix. So I think there's a, a chance, like you said, that either Carey, Langford, or maybe both. Let's say they love this fullback and Burton and they only want to keep four guys at the running back position. That includes a fullback. Hey, you know, Langford, Carey, we're not married to either one of those guys. Fourth-round picks, they haven't done much. They can go. I, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah, the, that was good bringing up Cunningham because, uh, you know, not only does he bring special teams value, but uh, he, he's actually looked pretty decent in practice. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Keep an eye on him as we go forward. That's it, guys. Thank you for sitting here for another 45 minutes with us. We will be back next week after the final practice of OTAs. That will lead into the three-week veteran mandatory minicamp following, uh, and the week following after that. And then uh, we'll just be a, like about six weeks out from training camp. So, wow. It's going to be on us soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks again. Be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. Give me a follow at Bear Report. Come check out all our material at the Bear Report. Facebook page as well as at bearreport.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Come talk to us every day at the bearreport.com message boards. Have a great week, guys. We will talk to you after uh, the next week's OTAs. Have a good one. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.